Knowing the difference between a good risk and a bad risk is obviously vital in the world of investment and retirement planning, but how do you decide what uh, is a good risk? What does a bad risk look like? Well, to help us uh, sort this out, we're uh, joined by Meili Wong. She's a chartered financial analyst. She has a new book coming out at the end of this week uh, called Smart Risk. And uh, when you hear this, uh, this uh, lady's uh, resume, uh, it'll blow you away. Good morning. Good morning, John. How are you? Thank you? Wonderful. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for coming on our show. Thank you for having me. You've been doing this for 15 years. Uh, you spent five years in New York City. Uh, you worked with uh, Merrill Lynch first, and then you were recruited by Goldman Sachs. Your second day on the job was September 11, 2001, when the World Trade Centers collapsed. Uh, before you went to New York, you... Uh, graduated as the most outstanding female graduate from the University of BC with a bachelor's degree in commerce of commerce in finance with honors and while at UBC you were chosen to manage a multi-million dollar endowment portfolio as a member of the Portfolio Management Foundation and simultaneously served as an elected member of the university's board of governors Whew. how do you get that all how do you get that all on one business card Oh, well, thank you, John. You know, it's been a lot of uh, hard work and luck along the way. Tell me about the book. Um, I mentioned in the introduction, you know, good risk, bad risk. Well, clearly that's, you know, what you need to uh, consider. But how do you know when you look at something whether uh, it is a good place to put your money or not? Well, you know, that's a great question, John. I mean, every day I meet with people approaching retirement, and they're scared, tired, and confused, especially amidst all this market volatility, people are really worried about uh, living their capital. So uh, over the years of learning from some of the ultra-wealthy people that I've been able to work with, you know, I've really learned a different way about thinking about risk. And I wrote this book to help the average person think differently about risk, smart risk. So really, it's a way to think so people can then act in a way to help them achieve what I call a work-optional life. A work-optional life. That's right. Ooh, tell me more about that. Well, a work-optional life is simply a life where work is by choice, not by necessity. And you can live the lifestyle you choose regardless of market conditions. So do you have to have uh, a lot of money uh, to, to start? Well, that certainly helps, but not necessarily. I mean, it's really about thinking and acting in a certain way. So... It's really a process for making decisions that combines both the science and art. Well, expound on that. When you say th- thinking and acting in a different way, different in what sense? Well, a lot of times we're held back by certain beliefs or myths to investing and making financial decisions. And in the book, I challenge these, and I shatter a lot of the myths to help Canadians see past the emotional fog to finding opportunities in today's volatile market. And in fact, I introduce a framework or just a common sense step-by-step process of five guideposts that I call the five P's to help today's retirees and investors navigate the twists and turns in their lives and identify the obstacles that may be holding them back from reaching their full financial potential. Uh, You mentioned five P's. Uh, What are they? So it starts with purpose. And that means really defining your end goal and your big why for creating the wealth that you are working so hard to build. 
And oftentimes, you know, I'll meet with clients who their why is about leaving, um, you know, leaving enough money for the next generation. Or it could be, again, just reaching that work optional life where they have now a sustainable source of income coming from their investment portfolio that they no longer have to go to work every day to have that income. And, you know, it's such an empowering stage of life because these clients are now able to do what they want, whether it's photography, whether it's golf, whether it's going to work and still, you know, producing. It's all about that new type of empowering retirement stage. Now, so clearly, perfect. clearly that takes some planning. So when, when should people get started? As, as soon as possible, I would, I would think. Absolutely, John. In fact, you hit one of the P's right there. Um, but the P that comes before that is people. It's really about building a circle of trust around you, of people who you might consider as your own Jedi Council. And these are people who don't necessarily always agree with you, <laughs> but they actually have an excellent um, range of expertise, and they come from it from a lens of two things. One, a willingness to share their expertise, and two, having your best interests in mind first. Okay, let's talk about the plan. You have to sit down and, and create uh, a plan, an idea, some some guideposts as to where you're going to go with this. Absolutely, and you know what? Plan is the third P in the in the uh, in the framework there. And there's two key plans that I would highlight. And the first is creating a wealth catalyzing financial plan, and that's really to develop a high level guidepost exactly of where you want to see yourself and work backwards from there. But then there's also the investment plan that's really about implementing the types of tools and investments in order to help that financial plan become a reality. But I would make a very important point about this. It's not just about having the plan, it's the planning process. Because I once had a client who was a fighter pilot and he told me, Miley, having the plan itself is nothing, but it's planning that is everything. And it really makes sense because life takes its twists and turns and it's about regularly updating that plan. One of the other P's is perspective, and uh, you, you talk about developing a healthy mindset like the ultra-wealthy. What is, what is right. that mindset? Well, a lot of times we face internal biases or, or, or viewpoints that have been shaped by early childhood experiences around money. Uh-huh. I mean, think about growing up, and I have clients who grew up in that Depression-era mindset where no matter what, they're always worried about having enough money to buy bread. Or, you know, they might have a million dollars in the bank, but they are worried about, you know, paying their um, utility bill. And it's all about just the mindset that we have and separating that and teasing out those biases to recognize them first and then develop a healthy mindset, more of a mindset that looks at actually the risk and reward of every decision that you make. So a lot of the ultra-wealthy have actually overcome um, challenges by having more of a positive optimistic mindset. So not, not, not defeating yourself before you even get started. That's right. And there's been many cases where everyday people, and I work with you know, young professionals who've been able to overcome you know, debt in order to get to a place where they're now in a situation, be able to retire at an earlier age than they ever expected. And it's really an empowering place to be. Good stuff, Miley. I appreciate you coming on the program. Uh, Miley Wong is a chartered financial analyst, and uh, she is the first vice president, portfolio manager at the uh, of the Wong Group, uh, connected with CIBC Wood Gundy here in Vancouver, and the author of Smart Risk 
Invest like the wealthy to achieve a work-optional life.